Hey everyone, Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Buy Order the Peaky Blinders. This was an episode that Josh and I recorded back in May when Gangs of London first aired in London. And now that it's over here in America on AMC+, I figured we would roll these out. Episode 1, Season 1 of Gangs of London, coming up now. For the good of the family, we are back to bring a little excitement to your quarantine. It's by order of the Peaky Blinders. And for a few weeks, we're going to be taking a time machine, Josh, and we're traveling from 1920 Birmingham to the mean streets of present-day London, as this podcast that usually covers Peaky Blinders is going to break down a little bit of the newest British crime drama, Gangs of London. I'm Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. We, uh, Daniel and I have reached a new level in quarantine where we had to expand our horizons into other shows and we found a really really good one for you guys and we're gonna we're gonna break it down a little bit because we're hoping that a lot of you have access to the show across the pond we know that you guys have it through sky um and if you have cinemax in the u.s then you then you have access to, to it as well but this this is a great show and we're excited to break it down and today we're going to go over the pilot episode it's a nine episode season all dropping at once Last Thursday, late April, we talked to Xavier Jeans about it, the director of a trio of the episodes, and we're hoping to get in touch with a couple of the creators, Gareth Evans or Matt Flannery. But first, why don't you go ahead and throw us a few stars? Regardless of whether it's five, it's three, it's two, we want to hear and we want to improve. So let us know what you think we need to improve on. We did throw on a female voice when we had Dina Corzone on, and Josh I'm not sure that, uh, that Mrs. Corzin is going to approve of this show. It might be the bloodiest, the most inappropriate show on TV right now. It would not be a show that Dina Corzin would watch. If you guys listen to that interview, she was very vehemently was talking about how she does not like Peaky Blinders. She does not like the violence of Peaky Blinders. So this is definitely not going to be on her radar of shows to watch because this is a bloody, gruesome, violent Game of Thrones-esque violent kind of show, like more violent than Peaky ever was. If you guys have started this, go ahead and hit us up with your feedback. We're going to read it on air. Send us your thoughts at facebook.com slash Podcast, or just emailing us directly at B-O-O-T, peakyblinders at gmail.com. What we're going to do is we're going to give you our opinions on whether this show is worth watching. We'll go over the pilot, and then we're going to head over to our Patreon feed, to get the episode two breakdown. So you can catch us there at patreon.com slash by order of Peaky for $5 a month. You can help us get through this Gareth Evans, Matt Flannery masterpiece. And Josh, Gareth Evans, the co-creator, directed this first episode, garnered a 9.0 on IMDb. It was a 90 minute pilot. So basically a movie. And there are twists and turns but we're going to say right now, we're going, to, we're going to talk about episode one. So if you have not seen episode one, I wouldn't say that you should listen right now unless you're okay with kind of knowing a couple of the spoilers. But Josh, right off the bat, very Game of Thronesy. We get, you know, the, the patriarch that goes down. It's very Games of Thronesy. You know, we, it's kind of similar to uh, like a, a John Aaron dying in the beginning of Game of Thrones. You know, someone that, that you really don't have, you know, you don't know but you hear a lot about, about how great they were, a lot about what they did, a lot about how everyone has connections towards that patriarchal kind of character. And so Finn Wallace goes down in the very beginning of the episode. We don't know, we don't really know why, we kind of loosely know why. And that's when the show just captures you. 
because it doesn't tell you too much right away. And it doesn't really, you know, explain anything really for the first couple episodes that you and I watched. So, you know, I, I know we're just breaking down episode one now, but it's, it's a, it's a great pilot. It was an amazing pilot. And, you know, usually pilots take too long to introduce things and introduce characters. This pilot was perfect in introducing everything in the right way. Yep. We've got the Wallace family, Sean Wallace, our beloved Peaky, Joe Cole playing, who is now the head of the family having to take over from his father, who was played by the great Cole Meany. And so it's a shame to only see Colm for about three minutes there in the opening scene, but he's gunned down by a pair of, you know, Birmingham kids, basically a couple of, uh, a couple of, you know, little rats, Darren and Ion, Ion borrows his brother's car in the beginning. And and Josh, we get right into it where let's, let's just go over kind of the bigger picture things. So we've got the Dumani family, Ed and his son, Alexander. Ed is played by uh, Lucian Samadhi, who played Salvador San in Game of Thrones. And he ends the episode with some major, major pieces being moved where he is not going to take a second seat to his partner's son, Sean, because Ed was the one who helped build up this business and he's not ready to hand over the reins yet. He's going to kill the, uh, the driver who knows a little bit too much, played by our great... Uh, Emmett J. Scanlon, who was Billy Grade in the last season of Peaky Blinders. Very, very powerful scene at the end of that first episode where he cuts open his wrists and he bleeds out because he was already injured to begin with, so he wasn't going to be able to cry for help or help himself or get up or anything. And it was a very powerful scene. I'm sure there's a lot of undertone, like historic, like like undertone towards that that the that the creators wanted to kind of signify with that scene you know i'd be very interested to listen to an interview about them explaining the significance of that um but it was just very powerful he's a uh, he's a great character you know he's he's that that voice of reason towards sean because sean is a very irrational you know obviously his father died he had a very close connection with his father and so he's kind of not thinking straight at all he kind of has blinders on what he wants to do and uh it's 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 frustrating You, you and i have talked you know because we love joe cole and the character is similar to John Shelby in Peaky Blinders, wouldn't you think? Yes, it's the irrational. Every part of the irrational, meathead, overly aggressive John Shelby, none of the passionate, you know, relatable, nice guy mentality that Esme brings out of him in Peaky Blinders, none of that shines through. He doesn't have a love interest that we've seen, and he is just on a path to destruction. He wants to halt all of the trade inside of London. So essentially, if you were to think of Peaky Blinders universe, where you've got the Italians, you've got the Jewish, and you've got the British holds on all of the the waterways around London, which is what we saw in a lot of season two and three. Well, now it's just owned by the Wallaces, essentially. And they have decided to put a blockade. They're stopping the, you know, influx of heroin from many different sources and instead of keeping it going like the do uh the dumontes want to do sean is not he's not having any of it he wants the death immediately of the guy who killed his dad and so that's kind of what we see draw out and we get an introduction to my favorite character right off the bat where this bearded fellow is reaching his arm into a sewer it seems and he's bringing some money to our freaking guy Filch and uh, and the Red Wedding um, 
David Bradley from Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. And so it's great to see him pop in there. There's a lot of great characters, a lot of amazing cast of characters. You know, so a lot of Game of Thrones characters that you're like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Walter Frey is in this episode, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a great start. But going back to, to, to Sean Wallace and his character, you know, he has destruction in his path. He wants to wage war no matter what. He doesn't care about the collateral damage. And you have these other players that kind of see it. And this is my prediction because I don't know how it's going to happen. But they can see through that and they can see that he wants bloodshed to, to kind of, you know, avenge his father's death. And little does he know that it was just a hit and that it wasn't anybody who, who you know, carried out some like drastic, like, you know, drastic killing. It was just a hit. And that's what really is, 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 is interesting about it all. And I loved the two minutes that it showed when the two kids or first the, the, the watcher in the car realizes that it's this guy that everyone knows, Finn Wallace, and he tries to call his buddy and the guy and he doesn't answer and he has to commit the murder, you know, popping him through the eye hole of the shady motel. Why is this esteemed leader of the biggest gang in London going to the shady motel in the middle of the night? We don't know. We're going to find out. I'm excited for that mystery. Clearly, there's something, I would just assume prostitute, but who knows? There's, there's a lot of things that we are left to infer from that last scene with, with the driver, Jack. But I think we've got to get to the main plot of this episode, which is the fact that Jack is alive, who's the driver, played by Emmett uh, Scanlon, who's the Peaky Blinders. The, it's funny because he's the, the black, what is he, the black cat, right, in, in this season of, of Peaky Blinders. But now... We know that there's got to be a mole inside the Wallace campaign because how else could hit someone who ordered this hit know about the shady motel deal that, that Finn has going? So we know that there's a mole there. We also know that Elliot is an absolute badass. He's basically a mixture between like John Wick and I don't even know, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. It's like he can do everything, Josh. I think we watched him kill like 25 people in this episode. It was pretty crazy to see that, you know, out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that when we first saw him. But, you know, it's one of those scenes where he's just absolutely, like, like you can hear bones cracking. You could hear, you know, that, that, that one part where he takes the skull, bashes it against the wall, and then smears his head, and you see the blood. That was an amazing scene. And this is when Daniel and I have found our favorite character of the show right off the bat in, in Elliot. He, he just, he's, he's awesome. He's that badass that you want to see. Yep, his name is Sope Dirisu. He has been in one uh, Black Mirror episode as a minor character, so it's, it's not necessarily someone that we're 100% comfortable with. We haven't seen him on any big screens in terms of Josh and I, but he plays like the perfect, humble, kind of fights like Sherlock in the movie that was made by Guy Ritchie, where he's thinking of every single thing and it's all in slow motion. And it's a great line where they're like, what were there, like six guys, Sean says? And, and Elliot comes back and goes, there were eight guys actually, but I had a dart. And so that's like a perfect representation of this humble badass that has basically risen from being a nobody. He recognizes the car that the, uh, what were they, the Turkish or whoever, whatever, you know, Eastern European. We don't know. One of Lewin's we, guys. We honestly aren't 100% certain in this first episode. We were like kind of left guessing at what, what they were, who, who they represent. So that's also an interesting storyline as well. Perfect. And so I don't necessarily know. I know Lewin is the head of the bearded man. And one of his underbuddies, Besme, 
with or without his permission. He lies about it, or maybe he tells the truth, we're not sure. Kidnaps Jack, kind of knows about this whole thing, organizes the whole hit, but we don't know if this head Luan who had a deal with Finn, there are so many power players, because then we've got the head of security, who's Adrian Bauer plays, who was from Last Kingdom that I really like, the taller man who's kind of got this, this resting bitch face, Josh. He doesn't mm. like Elliot. Ed doesn't like Elliot. But Elliot is the one that saves Jack. He does all this bad stuff. But at the end of the day, he gets the trust of Finn Wall, excuse me, of Finn Wallace's son, Sean Wallace. And then we find out, I don't know, I'm a little, I'm a, I, think I'm, I think it's this undercover cop trope is beat over the head a little bit. So I was a little disappointed to see that. But I'm willing to cut, cut them some slack because you have, to, you have to make this a little bit about you know, cops and robbers. You can't just have a bunch of gangs going at each other without an Inspector um, Campbell kind of character. So clearly we've got that Asian girl, woman who's the, the, the handler of Elliot, who's now an undercover cop. I, I'm going to disagree about the undercover cop trope because once again, you know, going back to Game of Thrones, our, our inspiration of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, Ross Boland and Barrett Dudley, Ross said in, in the last episode of Game of Thrones, you know, we're not picking from a menu. You know, this isn't our decision to make. So, so, so we're not picking from a menu and deciding how characters care, how their arcs are going to play out in storylines. So I actually kind of like that trope because I didn't expect that at all. I didn't think Elliot was going to be undercover. So it threw me for a loop, which I think the show is supposed to do. And that's, and that's a testament to good directing, good acting to see that we couldn't predict that from the start. I'll, I'll tell you 100% caught me blindsided. And now, you know. We, me too, me too. It, it, it couldn't have come more out of left field. I thought this was truly going to be some underling, but it started to creep in. Now, you know, upon the rewatch of this first episode, you think, how could you have been so dumb to think that this random street gangster right. is the greatest fighter ever to, to, to walk the earth? So it's, it's interesting. And, and that he was just like walking by them out of nowhere, just and happened to walk by and you know he there was it was it was calculated it was calculated and upon the rewatch this is a very rewatch show you can easily see it you know it's 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 one of those shows where you can pick up on little things if you rewatch it regardless i'm all in on elliot i wrote about 15 times that i love elliot he's the greatest character and another guy that we really like is the son of ed dumani it's alex dumani who seems to be kind of like the cousin of sean but almost the, the, the logical, the non-fighter. He doesn't seem to get his hands dirty, doesn't really like Elliot, but at the same time probably is going to be, you know, in cahoots with him of sorts because you feel like Alex is the smart one. And if Elliot can trick Alex like he's tricked Sean, then this whole thing is going to start to get in motion. Yeah, Alex is that character that is, once again, he's like, he's, 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 a, he's a young version of his father, which is, which is very evident here. And He's that rational, that rational younger voice that I, that I hope kind of gets into Sean's head a little bit because, you know, his father is kind of like that older patriarchal figure like, oh, I'm not going to listen to you. You're just an old man. You know, what do you know about me? And then Alex is kind of that person that I feel can kind of, you know, get on his level a little bit and kind of talk some sense into him. We haven't seen that yet, but I think that later on in the season, there's going to be a lot of clash of there's gonna be a big clash of him trying to you know tell him what's right and what's wrong and Sean being like don't tell me what to do kind of thing and so let's get a little bit into the feminine presence right off the bat we knew that Michelle Fairley was going to play you know the the matriarch of this gang 
she didn't have a lot of speaking roles in this episode. It's just, I don't think she spoke a word. Yeah, it's. I'm going to be honest. I would like a little bit more from her because I thought that some of Kat Stark's greatest moments were when she showed emotion, she went Agreed. into a monologue, and I think she she was so stunned. You know, like, I get it. She was playing the widow. She was so freshly, you know, introduced into the show right away we didn't get to see her in normal life yet so maybe in some flashbacks we can see more of her strong because anyone that was the wife of finn wallace had to have been some sort of presence it's not like she wasn't you know pulling any strings and as we know with british filmmaking they give so much power to women and it's so great to see and i think another woman that we are going to see and start to really like is Ed's daughter, Shannon Dumonti, the, the Dumonti, the sister of Alex, and she was given Elliot them eyes. And I, it's just one of those things where it's just so set, obvious. You know, when you, when you watch a show from the beginning and you start to notice when one random female character gives the main character some eyes, that's going to start to turn into a thing. So I'm ready for that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we don't know if he's, you know, after finding out that he's undercover, we don't really know if he's playing the part or if there is that mutual kind of attraction and there is that mutual, like, you know, love interest there. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because he's fooled us for being undercover. He's fooling them for being undercover, but we don't know if sometimes when you play the role too much in those undercover roles, you kind of lose sight of what you're in, in, in what you're looking for. And he does a really good job of being like, I really need this job. I need this job. I need this job that I'm having a bold prediction that he's going to get very into the role and actually liking working for the Wallaces, that it's going to be one of those. I'm going to tell you right now, Josh, the reason why I'm a little tired of this, this trope or this plot is because of Fast and Furious. It's because of, we've seen it 50 times. It started oh, yeah. point break and then Fast and Furious picks it up. And, and there's been hundreds of movies where they go undercover and then you know what? They like that better. You know, it's like all of these things where I would, I would be so down for that. I'd also be down to be surprised and him sticking with whether it's MI or whatever, you know, secret service facility that Elliot's working with. I'm excited to learn on that side of it because I love the show Killing Eve. So seeing almost like the cat and mouse game between the killer and the cop would be cool and it would line up for maybe next season where, hey, who knows, it could be Sean and Alex against Elliot. But let's, let's, let's talk about Sean for a little bit more here before we wrap up this first episode. The, the episode starts with him brutally setting one of those pikey kids on fire that starts to mess with the car in that opening scene, remember? That's yes. the kid that was hanging from the ceiling, or the roof, I mean. And he gets like lit on fire, no mercy, and then it ends with Sean standing on the roof of probably the same building and very parallel. Yeah, and it's right. just, it's, it's kind of like showing us, I think it's twofold. It's showing us how vast London really is and so how much territory his kingdom now, you know, encompasses that he's the boss. And it also shows that he's, he's, probably, just, he's probably just not all there in the head. Things are scattered around. He's burning kids from the top of buildings that he doesn't even know are guilty. It's a very powerful opening to a show. I mean, one of the more powerful openings to the show that we've ever seen. Kind of like, you know, you kind of wonder, oh, is he going to, you know, have mercy for this kid? Is he going to is he gonna let him be? Nope, lights him on fire. And the very the, the cinematography of, of this shot of, of, of that pikey kid kind of 
falling in a slow motion while just in flames is, is amazing to watch. And that hooked me from the start. And we had seen that in the trailer. If you guys listened to our, to our episode where we broke down the trailer, that was, you know, that was one of our favorite shots from the trailer. And we didn't know that that's how the show was just going to start. And it's a very powerful, you know, scene at the end when he's looking over that same exact spot during the day. And you can kind of see London throughout the day, as Daniel mentioned, that it's a very territory in which they own. And it kind of brings me back to, you know, the similarities and the differences of Peaky Blinders, because we see London a little bit in Peaky Blinders, and we don't really understand the vast, you know, the, the, the whole entire scope of London and all, and all the, the interplay between all the gangs. But this, this gang, this, the, the, the Wallace family controls this whole entire territory. And so you kind of see the power in what Sean is taking on with Finn dying. And I think that that's what it's supposed to symbolize, you know, that he really has a lot on his hands right now. And that's why he's not well on the head, because not only did his father die, but holy shit, there's pressure on him now. So I will say, I, I don't think that this, this leadership strategy from Joe Cole is one that is meant to, uh, to prove longevity. I'll say it like that. I, I'm not expecting him to last very long in this life because it is a very bloody show. He is leading with by the seat of his pants. It's not like he's playing chess. I, I don't see six moves ahead like Tommy Shelby does. So I would be, unless Elliot can just save him every step of the way, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Joe Cole's tenure in this show doesn't last too long. But I, I do want to hit a couple more of the big storylines here. We talk about all the power players. There's the Russell Crowe-looking dude named Lewin, who wasn't invited to the big meeting, shows up to that funeral. And, Russell Crowe-looking dude. <laughs> that's what I thought. I think he's Albanian. I think I wrote that down. They do say the Albanian mob. And yeah. so where that hit took place, so where Finn was, was in Albania. Okay, so that motel in the opening scene of the show is in Albania. So they're like, what are you doing in Albania, dude? And so like, it's very interesting. England is very far away from Albania. So those mm-hmm. are more, more things that could maybe file in. Lewin mentions, mentions that he, he's done a lot of dirty things for Finn. And he's, he, a couple times he powers in like, I did this deal for Finn. I kept my end. And so there's that. There's also this Eastern European, Middle Eastern looking woman who is awesome. She's like, fuck this kid. I need to get my heroin through. He thinks he's experienced great loss. One death. One death is it. You know, she's going she's gonna to lose her shit soon. I have a feeling that her, Lewin, Ed, there's just so many power players here that all revolve around Sean. It's, it's very Peaky Blinders-esque. It is Peaky Blinders-esque. The one thing, and not to say that I don't like it, but that's a trope that I'm kind of tired of, is the mob, the, the, the gangster, drug dealer, kind of powerful families that all think that, you know, they're all buddy-buddy. And then no one's going to undermine each other. But then, then, then they out of nowhere undermine them and, and like undercut them out of nowhere when they're not expecting it kind of thing, if, 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 if that makes sense. Like, oh, you think that the, all these people actually care about your father and are at your, at your father's funeral because they love your father? No, they think they have to. And they're just waiting for the next opportunity to exploit you when you're at your weakness, which is what you're at right now. And I'm just kind of frustrated with that, but that's just my prediction of what I think is going to happen. So there are a few more interesting things. There's also the fact that the, the kid who pulled the trigger on Finn Wallace, his dad is a small-time boss because they talk about the, the fear they have of his dad. And so he's like, oh, my God, when your dad finds out, we're going to be toast. So maybe 
the guy's dad did some work with Finn. And so once they found out that it was the Wallaces, once they saw the roles come in, they knew they were fucked. And so they mentioned that. I had subtitles on. He's like, the kid who's being burned from the top of the building yells out, once we saw the roles, we knew we were fucked. We got out of the way, all that stuff. So they were, you know, the Rolls Royce. There was the, uh, the wild, wild fight scene, Josh, where, you know, you've got this huge UFC looking guy who's already just murdered this scrawny kid. And then him and Elliot get into this 20-minute long, it really was John Wick. And then finally he throws his head through a fucking saw. And that's when it's like, okay, this show, this show is uh, it's, it's not for children. It, it reminded me of like the mountain in Game of Thrones. That, that's like, at first I was like Bane, Bane and the mountain kind of mixed into one, like the body types. Um, it was violent, violent, in a very grungy atmosphere in a, in a, I don't even know. It was a kind of like, like a sewer. Like it was, it was crazy. And it was, I didn't think Elliot was going to, you know, make it out. Obviously I, I knew he was too important of a character to die at that very scene. But this is what I think makes his show great is that it's not just like Elliot was kicking ass the whole time. You know, Elliot was taking his blows and was very injured after it. And so it was a great scene. And then lastly, we do get a peek into Elliot's life. You know, we've got his dad, he seems to be a former boxing champ. So he pretends to put on his gloves and wrap it up, which is very, I think, uh, medicinal of, of sorts. You know, it's a very, uh, it's a very relaxing way, I guess, for his dad to feel normal again. And then he brings up the dead wife. And so you know that Elliot had a dead wife and something happened there. And then Elliot fires back about his dad throwing matches so there's, there's some friction there, and we know there's something deeper into Elliot's life. And so whether we get a bottle episode about Elliot or just slowly but surely get peeks into his life, I'm, I'm pretty certain, Josh, that this is going to be a show about Elliot. I, I'm 85% I'm sure that this, that this is going to be Elliot's show, and he will be the main character. But, you know, who knows? It's just because the only female that we even saw as a love interest was with Elliot. So like every time, every, all the things that I've learned about watching TV shows, and I'm excited about it. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not. I know that it's for the good of the family. The show's all about the good of the family. So that'll be a very interesting storyline there because obviously Ed is, is doing it for the good of the family, killing Jack at the, end of the, at the end of the episode. And then the final credits pull up and it's, 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 a, good, it's a good one. I would, I would give this pilot a very, very solid score. IMDb, nine out of 10. That's a great yeah. score from IMDb. I don't even think Peaky Blinders ever got to a nine. It got to, I, it, no, no, it did. It, it got to a nine towards, you know, towards like, you know, the, the end. The end it did. Of, Finales. Of You're right. Finales did. Right. It, it, we, saw it, we saw it as high as like a 9.6. We disagree with a lot of season, with, with the series five scores. There was a lot of over nines in series five, but, you know, it, it was a great score. It's an hour and a half. It's a lot of content. It's a movie. It's basically a movie and a pilot. And to jam pack a movie kind of duration into a pilot and be able to draw you in and not have you bored is amazing because a lot of pilots have you bored. But I mean, obviously, Peaky Miner's pilot was also phenomenal to draw you in that opening scene where Tommy is, you know, doing that is kind of doing the magic with that horse and kind of that that gypsy magic. But this show drew you in from the start with that scene with with uh, with, with Sean Wallace burning burning that child and the ending at at that at that same spot. And also a lot of very powerful quotes and, and lines. You know, 
when, when Sean Wallace is giving the uh, eulogy of his father at that funeral and he says that, you know, Finn Wallace is, is, is not dead. He's here. He's in me. And that was, also, that was very powerful, kind of showing the relationship that they had with each other. And then I, don't, I, I think Lewin said it. He said that that man, when, when talking about Sean and, and kind of his irrational, you know, his irrational, energetic, young kind of thought towards things is that man would that man would watch cities burn to prove that he's just a man or something. something yeah, along it's like those that lines. kid would. I think it was like that kid would burn cities just to prove he's a man, and it's so true. That's just the overarching story that is this kid that Joe Cole plays, and so it's it's very well done. I know that Evans directs three, and then Hardy directs three, and then our boy Johns directs three, but in no specific order yet said to us. So I'm excited to keep going with that. Go ahead, finish up uh, our our pilot recap here josh no i just i just think that a lot of things were laid that the foundation was laid in the pilot and we talk a lot about in peaky blinders and you know the shows that we think that are on that elite level like a like game of thrones when they lay down a bunch of plot webs and all the different plot webs are going to end up interconnecting at some point and having some significance so i think this is a show where you need to literally watch every single second and pay attention to everything that's said because it all has meaning and it's all going to tie together at some point to make it very important. And that's why I think this show is going to be elite. And there's also, I don't want to forget, there's also the Asif gang, which is the, uh, I think, Pakistani side of things. So we've got him sending his son to the funeral, not even going himself, and his son saying he wants nothing to do with the losses. So that's the last little bit. What's that? Five antagonists set up in this first episode. It's, it's great. It's great. And it's, it's so peaky-esque. And I, and I know that we, we are a Peaky Blinders podcast, so we're going to keep on drawing parallels to Peaky Blinders, but it's so hard when you have almost this modern-day Peaky because you have all these gang families you know, interconnecting into one, just like we did with you know, Billy Kimber and you know the Sabinis and you know the Shelby family it's very similar it's just modern day because you know we're they're able to expand to other territories in 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 this in this current day state so that's why I think it's going to be sick because it's more modern but it's very similar and I mean Joe Cole and Sean Wallace very similar character to John Shelby which we love even though we're kind of frustrated with him but we still love that because we it's the closest thing that we're going to get to Peaky. So basically, if you guys enjoyed this and you enjoyed watching Gangs of London or it's something that you think you want to keep watching or you want to start watching, what we're going to do is cover this show on our Patreon. Because at the end of the day, during this quarantine, Josh and I, we need a little bit just to pay the bills. So if you want to help out, we would really appreciate it. We know that so many people have enjoyed listening to our breakdowns of Peaky Blinders. And if you just want to show your appreciation, we would appreciate that as well on patreon.com slash by order of peaky we're going to cover episode two through nine we might go one by one we might cover a few at a time we'll play it by ear depending on how meaty the episodes are but josh and i are going to keep on going we just watched episode two so we're going to record the episode two post that on patreon later this week so go ahead and jump on there make sure to subscribe tell one friend this is on sky atlantic or on now tv and so if you're, if, you're, if you're in America and you're having some trouble, I don't want to say that you could just Google it and watch it. So I won't say that. So I am not saying that you can just Google Gangs of London and find a way to find the link, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there are websites that you can watch this show on. I'm not saying you can get a VPN and pretend like you're in London and watch this show. 
I'm not saying that you can't wait until Cinemax releases it and just get a subscription. So however you want to attack this show, however creative you want to be, if you have any questions about specifically watching it, go ahead and send us an email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. We'll help you out. That's it for this pilot episode. At the end of the day, Josh, we're going to ask, is Gangs of London worth watching? What's your answer? Absolutely. Without a doubt, absolutely worth watching. This is right. I, I was, I was, t- I was telling my, uh, my, my dad that this is going to be one of my favorite shows when it's all said and done. It's that good. I really think six months from now, HBO is going to be kicking themselves that they gave this to their sisters, you know, C- Cinemax, and they didn't, they didn't produce this and they didn't post this themselves. And so I really think this is going to be something that's going to grab the world. You might not be ready for such a violent show. But at the same time, it's good to escape from reality. And although what we're dealing with is terrible, we can just pretend and live in this fantasy world for one hour a week or one hour a day, however you want to attack it. All nine episodes are out there. And that'll wrap up our recap of the pilot of Gangs of London on Sky or Now TV. He's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to.